name is Sako and I am the host of Digital Leader Talks podcast. Welcome, dear listeners. And most importantly, Ape, it's an honor to have you as a guest. What have you been doing over the past few years? Uh, over the past few, first of all, thank you, Sako, for inviting me. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. It's a, it's a privilege. Uh, for the last few years, I've been... Mm, I've been... I, what would be the simple? The simple answer is I have been conducting research on the subject of whether humanity wants to actually save itself from the destruction it's, it's actually developing for itself. That's what I've been doing. I've been, you know, I, I have been creating and we've, I founded a, a mobile learning service uh, called, the name is Funzi, uh, a few years back with a couple of colleagues of my dear founding partners. And our intent was to create a learning service that would give everyone who has a mobile device access to the skills that they need to build their dreams and at no cost. So that's kind of what we've been doing. So building a service that would enable radically transform, could radically transform the way the world learns and thus how, how the world works. So that's what I've been doing for quite some time now. That is, yeah, that's just amazing from my, where I stand. That's just just, just amazing. Um, just thinking about what you've been doing over the years, you know, you, you already had had a great career um, by the early 2010s when you started thinking, thinking about, you know, setting this up. How did the decision-making go about, uh, you know, uh, to go forward with Funzi? What was the driving factor for you to jump into it? Mm. <clears throat> I need to correct. I actually had a career until 2009 when I started looking at mobile learning. And that's where many sort of like came to me and, and said that, you know, okay, so you've ended your career. You have become kind of a hippie and you've started saving the world. You know, that's kind of, that's what happened. Uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. It was interesting. The, <clears throat> the decision to start Funzi was, was really, is really simple. It's really simple. You reach a certain age and you, you've achieved stuff. You know, you've, you've, you know, I've, in my career, I have seen technologies being created that have taken over the world, such as the personal computers, mobile networks, mobile devices, I have, you know, I invented the mobile media application back in 2003. And, it, you know, so I've, 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 ha I've, I've seen how technologies can change the world. And I've seen, I've, you know, I've had friends, I have, or I know guys who become, you know, self-made billionaires. And uh, I've, I've seen from really close by that, that money doesn't buy you happiness. Success here in your career doesn't buy you happiness. You know, I... I have received all kinds of awards during that career. You know, achievement for this and, you know, salesman of blah, blah, all kinds of awards. Kind of, wow. And, and then you have kids and then you, you look at the world and then you, when you are a curious person as I am, and as, as I'm not driven, my life has never been driven, probably because I, I, am, I, I come from a home where Money was not the object, so it wasn't it wasn't riches or it wasn't fame that you you were striving towards. The you look at the world and then you understand at a certain point in time you understand you know this is not going the right way. It's going the wrong way. It's definitely going the wrong way. And then you start asking questions. You know, I'm a I define myself with four S's in English. You know, simple, slow, stubborn, and stupid. And that's when you sort of like you start asking the question, you know, what, what is happening and how could we stop this? And for me, actually, when it all started was in 2009 in August, I was having lunch with a dear friend of mine, Risto Lähdesmäki from IDN, a company that, you know, they, they established with Mikko Pekka and then sold to Capgemini a few years back. We were having lunch and we were arguing about, you know, creating a mobile a website for, I don't know, a media company. And we were talking about, you know, how much money, you know. 2,000, 3,000, whatever. And I said, you know, if this is, if this has come to it, to, if this is the end of my career, you know, 
And I'm sitting at having lunch with a dear friend of mine, and we're talking about, you know, whether he wants to have a thousand euros extra or not. I'm going to quit. You know, you just you know, keep it. And the Rista said, no, 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 Abba, you gotta, you have this unique system-wide kind of understanding of what mobility could do. You have to do something important. And I was like, so what is important? And he said, go and think how mobile could be used to teach the women in Africa to read. So I got up, you know, I got up from the, from the lunch table and, you know, started walking towards my then desk and, uh, and Googled. And I was like, because I was thinking, it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple that somebody's got to be doing it. And you know what? Nobody was doing it. Nobody was doing it. And that's kind of, and I started investigating because one of the things, you know, I'm, as I'm, I'm a comfortable guy. I like, you know, I like things being comfortable. I don't want to do too much of work. So I was thinking about, hmm, maybe there's someone who, is, who I could help. There was no one. And that's kind of, first I had two sort of like starts in the space of mobile learning. Uh, one was a closed, kind of the business model was wrong and the timing was wrong. It was 2009, 2010. So what we achieved was scientific validation for the, for the thing. Second thing was an open source project. But as with many other open source projects, it became too technical. And this third, you know, this funzi was user-centered design at the heart of it and with two components, pedagogy and, and, and technology, to deliver. And we started it because nobody else was doing it. And that's the reason why we, we did it, because nobody else is doing this on this planet. You have all these fancy people doing all kinds of fancy things, but nobody's doing anything that is of relevance on this planetary scale in this space. Yeah, worthwhile. Imp- I don't know. The, the word I was coming up with is impressive story, but that's that's not a good word to use. But it, it's an important story, kind of like you know, you 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 saw 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 a gap, and and you 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 took it. What what made you convinced it can be done? That saving the world mentality doesn't have to be, like you said, uh, you know, a, a hippie movement, but actual concrete business with a purpose. We, the founders, are systems thinkers. And, and so like in systems thinking, if you, you, you look at change and you look at how, how the world works and how the world changes, you, there's, there's a couple of like scientific truths. The model is, you know, the, 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 the diffusion of innovations, how how new technologies are being used by by the masses as humans. That's one important theory. And then you have kind of understanding the social constructivism also. That, you know, we, the, the technologies that are the winning technologies are not the best technologies. They are the ones that people use. And then looking at it and saying that, you know, we learn. You don't need any miracles for learning. You know, it's, it's sufficient to have text and images and, 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 and paper because that is how we have learned. I, I, when we went to school, when I went to school, we had TV once a week, yes, but, you know, we read things from books. And the mobile internet is very, very good at distributing information, text, and images. So there's no technical limitation. We don't need to invent, you know, invent something glorious or wait for a new technology to emerge to be able to achieve this success. It's just about you know, doing it in such a fashion that the users start using and stick to using that technology because that is the one decisive factor between whether a technology can become a transformative technology or not. And then, as most of the innovations in the world happen in research and emerge into the mainstream through startup scale-ups process, that process of, of taking an innovation or taking a new technology, new approach, and then creating products out of that and bringing them to the market as a startup as a, and then becoming a scale-up and then somewhere along the line figuring out how to create a business out of that that process is, is so promising and it's so obvious 
it was so obvious for us that, you know, it was, a, it was an easy decision to make. Let's do this. Can, can you identify a particular point when you sort of, uh, when you, the founders, kind of like uh, had that feeling that, right, now we know it's definitely worthwhile. Was, or, you know, you, you were saying it was an easy decision and, uh, and et cetera. Yeah, there was actually a moment in time. This was in, uh, I think it was October of 2014. So we started the company, established a company in, in February 2014. And then we did a design process and, and kind of started building the, the new first approach. It was an Android app. And then, you know, we, we flew to, to South Africa with the, the founding team. So Miemo Pentinen, who is sort of like our designer, co-founder, and then Tero Salonen, who was, you know, my founding partner, used to be a CEO at the company nowadays, a senior advisor. So Tero, Miemo, and myself, we flew to South Africa, and we had user testing. And user testing is, is you know, done the right way is that you have, you have someone interviewing a user who represents your, your, you know, your target demography. And then you're sitting behind, a, you know, you're, you're viewing the event. So what happened was uh, the, the persons had their own devices when they came to the user interview. So what we saw from the video was like, you know, not, not one of those, uh, you know, highly advanced Android devices that we thought that they would have. But they, the, the person had a crappy kind of a Samsung that was, you know, that was a horrible thing, device technically. And me and I said, ah, oh, it's going to crash. And, and so, so what happened was... It was the video, you know, like both the person and the, 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 the device are there. And then the, the person is like, you know, yeah, 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 I understand this. I understand this. The, the application crashes. And we're like, oh, my God. Now the person is going to say, I'm not going to use it. But what happened was she quickly, you know, restarted the app and continued. Because she was so used to crappy technology crashing all the apps that, you know, it was no problem for her. And that was a moment when we understood that the human being is more powerful than any technology that might be crappy. And that moment was when we, and there's a picture of us three, you know, at that moment in time, we we're like, you know, everybody's like, you know, I think we, we shed tears. But that's the moment when we knew that every human being is driven or has this within themselves the curiosity to learn, and they're intrigued and interested in the opportunity of becoming the better version of themselves. That's when we sort of like, we knew that this is worth doing. Simultaneously, we understood, though, that this will not be an easy explanation to people from our global north or startup scene, you know, venture capitalists and, you know, those kinds of people. That is... That is a, a great anecdote. I think there must be similar stories in, in a lot of, lot of uh, success stories when you can identify that. Okay, there's something, something's changed and et cetera. Et cetera. You, know, you know that there's going to be whatever movement you know, in, the, in the future and, 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 and whatnot. Now, um, looking aside... Um, uh, your um, success success story that Funzi is still uh, growing and, uh, and 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 becoming well, you know what's what's the latest with with Funzi? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a weird number. There's you know calling our, us a success story is depends on how do you measure success and what is success. If you look at the user feedback and how users have have perceived us and the value that they are able to kind of, you know, extract from Funzi, it, it, it's tremendous. It's ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. You know, we get, we, we, it is ridiculous because over the years we've had thousands, if not tens of thousands of user feedbacks and we have a two negative ones, two negative ones. That's and there's no filter. So that's kind of, you know, that's, so that's kind of, so the users, they see Funzi as, as something that is God sent, regardless of what God they pray to. But the other thing is, if I look at, if, if you, 
would put your VC hat on or, you know, is Funzi a commercial success? Then the, the, the fact of the matter is not yet. So we are in the process of, so what we've done is we have identified a, a, a problem. We have created a solution that, that solves that problem. And there is a clear problem solution, solve, solution make, match. That, that's what we have. And now we are creating a, like a how to monetize that and, and how to create a scalable revenue model with one product globally with a very small team. So that's kind of, there's a couple of challenges. So, and, but I, th I believe that our current hypothesis of freemium model where we give access to quality learning at no cost and then offer premium courses at a, at a very affordable price that allow people to sort of learn further I think that, that 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 looks promising. That looks good. We have recently signed. We haven't yet announced, but we've signed the first like major distribution deal in the fourth largest, fourth most populated country in the world with a with a mobile network operator, where Funzi will become a part of their service portfolio to more than sixty million users. So that's where we will see how the numbers stack and how the conversions work. And if that then works well, you know, so if it doesn't work well, we can learn and, and sort of iterate. If it works well, we can then replicate that because all of the mobile operators in the world work pretty much in the same way. So that's where we are now. We are now there with a product that, is, that, is, that can scale to become a global success. We have proven that our organization is capable of creating, using this, that one product, create uh, service portfolios for different language markets without the need of having an extensive organically scaling organization. So we're doing this all digitally. We, it's kind of, it's really clever what we're doing, we think. But we can still fail. It's kind of, we, we, we can still fail. But it will be a real, real shame because there's no one else doing this. And that's a shame. It's not, it's, it's not a shame for us, but it's actually a shame for, for the world because there are all these people, these billions of people out there who don't have access to adequate or good quality learning, who would need it, who all have access to the mobile devices, and who could use something like Funzi, who should use something like Funzi because if they don't unlearn the bad things that they are doing and learn new, better things, it's you, your children's, our planet that is going to you know, pay the price for that. That's so great to hear. That's just superb. And at the yeah, same time, so, so, Saku, you think that it's great that we can still fail? That's good. That's not. That's no, not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just great that you know you sh you know you share the story. You know, and 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 because you know it's you are in a, in a particular moment in time. You know, you've done a great job. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know setting it all up, like you said. You know, uh, it hasn't been done before. Uh, and, and now you are kind of on the verge of making it, I don't know what's a good word to use, but big or, or, or impactful. Impactful might be a, a better one. And, uh, and, and, you know, just to hear that transparent sort of uh, perspective, it's, it, it, it's superb, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for the support. No, I, I do. So it's kind of – and. They, if you ask, you ask, you ask the, one of the previous questions was that you asked when was the decision made that, you know, this should also be a business, you know, it's a, one reason for that is also, I was a, I was, I had the luxury of being a part of a group that was in early 2010s, uh, was, was summoned by Sitra here in Finland, so like thinking about the kind of sustainable economic policy, how that should be created. So they were like about 30 people from all, all lines of business and all kind of great thinkers we were thinking about those that and a, a friend of mine Lasse Manister who used to be a member of the parliament back in the day Lasse always when there was someone talking about you know you should do this and CO2 and emissions and blah 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 Lasse had this line that he always said when somebody stopped you know their, their kind of you know their argument Lasse said and it has to be a business for someone so everything has to be a, because the way the world works is is private capital and it, it, 
things that are impactful, the impact in itself, if there is no economic positive impact, if there's no impact of growth, if there's no impact of profit, if you cannot create a solution that is in itself financially sustainable, then you are relying on somebody else's money. And that's one of the discussions that we had with Funzi. We, we would have had a great opportunity to finance our work by, you know, with the help of donors. You have, you have these big you know, foundations. I'm, and I'm not going to call the names of the you know, Microsoft people and, and those kinds of people. You have these big foundations. And they give a lot of money to big endeavors. One of the challenges, though, is that if you... If, if, if Saku, if you had a foundation like Saku Foundation, and I would have a kind of a, you know, funzi, I come to you, you dictate to me what is it that I should achieve, how should I report, you know, you actually, I would be working for you. And if our vision, the, the, like the company mission is to create a mobile learning, was and still is, to create a mobile learning service that gives everyone access to the skills that they need to get a better livelihood, lead healthier lives, and as a combination become so happy that we end all wars on this planet. And after we have achieved these three goals, we'll turn to the more important and more difficult and complex problems. And this is kind of the whole ideology of Funzi is built on this, these three things. Jobs, health, and happiness. And if I would come to your foundation, Sakwa, you know, I like you, and you, your foundation would be a good foundation, I'm certain of it, but you would say, <clears throat> uh, those three things, they're not that important for me, I would like to have this and that, and then I'll give you the money. So we would actually, we would be selling our soul, and we would be selling our vision of being the ones who give everyone on the planet the freedom to choose what they want to become. For the first time in the history of humanity, Funzi has given <clears throat> everyone an opportunity to become what they want to become, not dictated by anyone else. If we would come to you and ask, you know, hey, want to give us 10 million? You'd say, yes, if you do this thing. Yeah, or, or come up with a better, more polished plan. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, that's kind of, so that's what we did. We didn't want to do that. Yeah, very good. What's your take? Uh, we've start, uh, touched upon it a little bit, but uh, but kind of like uh, to be kind of like very clear. Why should everyone should be at least curious about setting up a business to save the world? Not everyone. Not not no 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 not 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 everyone. Yeah, curious. Not even curious. As you probably know, Saku, over the years I've been quite active as, a, as one of my hobbies is is been being an activist in sort of like coaching and uh, coaching startups around the world. So as a part of the startup sauna crew and all these, you know, various things, I've, I've seen thousands of startups around the world. Uh, and I love the curiosity. I love the energy in the eyes of the founders. I, I really love it. The <clears throat> and it's okay to, 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 if you start a startup that, for example, does pizza ovens, like, you know, a fellow Finn did, Christian Tapanio did, did, and now he has his uni business. Uh, you know, you don't kill anyone if you if you if you if you establish a uh, a uh, a business that that has a that that uh, if your pizza oven doesn't work, nobody gets killed, right? Yep. But if you if you and you can iterate, you know, you can build new ovens and and and, and build new ovens and keep on doing that work, and things will be. You know, at one point in time, you will have a big, good oven that works. Then you can sell it. When it comes to saving the world, we're talking about, you have to, you know, the responsibility that you have means that the stuff that you're doing has to be top-notch. It needs to be, it, need, it needs to be a beyond the normal quality assurance process. And thus... And, and simultaneously, it is, an, it, is a, it, is, it is an incredibly difficult and cumbersome path to start changing the world. And I would just, you know, just look at, you know, the diffusion of, in, of, of innovations. 
remember there's this two and a half percent of, of, of the population who are those innovators, and then we have the 13 and a half percent who are the early adapters, and then you have the early majority. And these two and a half percent, they are the people who do these things because they have that intrinsic motivation. They want to do, they do those things because they just have this, you know, I got to do this. Most of them fail. You know, if, you, if you think of it, you know, it's kind of like, like playing football in, in, in Finland. You know, you have this, you know, there's, there's each year, I think that there's how many kids in Finland? 42,000 or whatever. How many make it to become professional football players in Finland? Not that many. How many make it on a European level? And how many become global stars? That's it. And that's kind of, you know, so, so you have these startups and then you have the startup founders and then you have the founding teams. And then, so, and then in the, at the end of the day, you know, one out of, I don't know how many, is then capable of building something that is good enough to be big enough to change the world. It's not, it is probably, but it is, it is, it is a horrible task. Yet though, and despite of this, Everyone should think and know when they start something, why is it that they're doing it? And in this day and age where we're sort of like racing towards the, the, the limits of our planet, everyone should ha- be able to uh, align their startups or their, their, what they do. With it. it needs to have a purpose that is aligned with the SDGs, you know, the Sustainable yeah. Development Goals, Kind of, no, I'm doing this because of this, and I measure my impact with this. If, you, if, if you're doing something that doesn't have that kind of a framework, you're only doing it for the money. And that's kind of, or for the convenience factor. Like, if you look at, you know, the, the wall E, you know, it's kind of, you know, do I walk to, to get myself food from a restaurant? No. I'm so late, you know, it's so convenient for me to sit here and just, you know, blick, blick, and food comes. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, that doesn't change the world. Uh, it changes the world, but it doesn't save the world. Kind of. Yeah. Makes, makes one think, I have to say. I'm just, yeah. Think, just thinking kind of like how good a business saving the world then can potentially be? Well, uh, just look at what Google is doing. Just look at what what Facebook is doing. Uh, There are, and remember, these are anything and everything I say is not, it's kind of not my, 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 my thoughts or opinions, it's kind of based on something. So, for example, the late Steve Jobs said back in the day when he was interviewed while he was at Next, he said that there's always this, you know, window of opportunity that opens. And there's this beautiful theory or the theories of change, you know, how the technological transformation opens kind of up windows of opportunity on a systems level so that our society needs something, something that hasn't existed before. Like Google, you know, back in the early days before the internet, before the web pages were there, there was no need to have a Google because you went to a library to find the information, right? That was kind of the way you did it. Now with all of this information, then all of a sudden appearing and emerging on the internet, interwebs, you know, somebody had to create a mechanism of how, how do I find that information? How do I find that correct information? Then Google did it. And there were lots of others. There were hotbots, you know, there was AltaVista, all kinds of you know, players emerged, so lots of small players. And then Google somehow just was the best because their business model was such that they gave it for free to everyone. And the, the logic with which they uh, indexed the information was the same as was in the past. So the indexing, the original indexing method of Google was that the, 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 the number one search result was the one that was referred to the most, which is the traditional mechanism from the old academic world. And thus what Google did, they were really clever, they did not change, they did not f- force the world to change what makes information most relevant. It was all the referral of others. 
but they change the way it is being indexed and used at no cost. And then Google then took that space. Same, you know, Facebook. Uh, there were people who were using all kinds of devices. They wanted to communicate with each other. That was, and then Facebook came. And then they took that space. We had IRC gallery in Finland. We had, we had mm. these beautiful things. That's we, it. We, we have, we had, and, but then Instagram and, and Facebook and those, they just take it. And I think that moving forward, big system-wide opportunities will emerge every now and then. And then it is up to the individuals or the groups or the entrepreneurs to understand them and then build a solution that sort of like matches the requirements of the society to use that technology to come to the same end point as they did before. So when it comes to learning, I'm saying if we succeed with Funzi, it's still a, you know, a winner-takes-it-all game. Just like Facebook did this market. Just like, you know, and, or Spotify. Well, yeah. Spotify now has, you know, there's four or five competitors, but it's, you know, it's the same business model. You don't even notice the difference. Everybody has the same library, so that's kind of... But Spotify was so changing the world on a global level so that the solutions that you create, if the solutions that you create are globally applicable and always locally relevant, you have to have them both in order to sort of like have that opportunity to grab the whole market of that transformation. And none of these, this is one interesting thing. None of the companies that have taken these markets have ever charged anything from the end users. That's it. Not Twitter, not Google, not Facebook, and Spotify freemium model. So putting all of these together, and that's kind of what we have tried to put into Funzi, and now we just do our best to like see if this could become a trillion-dollar industry or a business, because that's classic education is is uh, seven and a half trillion dollars a year business around the world. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Okay, say there's a twenty-five-year-old ambitious finishing master student thinking about one's promising idea for the environment or for the people's cause, and see is it could not be scaled up without making it into a business and is is quite ambitious about it what's your word of advice go and build it you know build build up do, do the exact sort of like the lean classical lean startup kind of a thing go and find those talk to the users get out of the you know get out of your room and go and you know see you know whatever prototype you have find those people See whether they have that problem, solve that problem, create a solution that allows you to solve that problem of those individuals in a scalable fashion. Think about, start thinking about a business model, but more importantly, start figuring out where do you have scientific support and what kind of scientific support do you find for this solution of yours? Because hard science is something that you should... See, hard science, there's a couple of good things about science. Science doesn't lie. Science doesn't have an opinion. And, you know, so just go to science and, you know, find out, okay, this fits there, this fits there, you know, okay, this is, this is the question, this is my research question, you know, is this the... And then build it. And then do it. And simultaneously work on understanding how this could... Is this a local solution? Or is it a global solution? Is the problem that you're solving, is it a local problem? For example, if you have a well in a village that is drying, is that a local problem or is it a global problem? If the solution that you're building, is it something that will solve the problem for all of the wells in the world or not? Understand what is kind of the level of, of your dream. Is it a global dream or is it just, you know, I will be forever remembered as the water master of this village here in Nairo, you know, in Kenya. Or are you the one who is going to be the Thomas Alva Edison, you know, who's going to change the way the world drinks? That's kind of, because 
you need totally different support systems and support structures depending on what is the level of your, what is the size of your dreams. Like with Funzi, you know, we, we have from the very beginning, people have been, and they still laugh at us, you know. Our dream, or not our dream, we are a global entity, period. Yeah. Our future, we, we, so like our basic thinking is, my future, my destiny is defined by the seven and a half billion people who are not me. And kind of, you know, the seven and a half billion people are there. If I have 5,000 people, if I have, you know, that's kind of irrelevant. It's the seven and a half billion people. And that's, but it is, we have this, it, our lives would have been easier if we would have said, yeah, 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 we're only building this, you know, for, for the people in the northern Karelia, you know, who have challenges during, the, you know, the winter months to come to schools. It would have been so much simpler, but we would have been, we would not have been the team to do that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, just, yeah, that kind of like scale sort of blows, blows up the, out my mind. Um, I'm just thinking kind of like you, you touched upon some, some of the points, but, uh, you know, it, you know, if you had to think about top three kind of like things to bear in mind when thinking about setting up a business to save the world, um, you talked about, you know, scale, you know, whether you're talking, talking about the whole planet or just local, uh, what would be the other, other two ones? Is it, um, think of, think of your solution as a platform. That's kind of, you know, that's, that would be the second wisdom. You know? like, I think that, that a lot of the transformations that are taking place in many of the industries are actually just, you know, are the result of, of bringing two parties together who have not been brought together before. Like in our case, uh, the publishers who own the, the property rights for the, the books that we then convert to become our premium courses. You know, Pearson, the world's largest education publisher, is our global partner. So Pearson has this vast library of content that we can funzify, which is our, the, the verb for our proprietary process of, of, of transforming the content into a mobile learning course. So Pearson has all these assets. And then you have, on the other hand, you have the mobile operators or, you know, another partner of ours, Facebook. You know, Facebook has these billions of users every week who go to their jobs at Facebook service. So they'll go look for jobs. Now, many of those job seekers are actually, they would be interested in content that already sits in the vaults of Pearson. But these two giants, you know, Facebook and Pearson, there is no natural mechanism for them to collaborate. So what Funzi actually does is we become, we are, we are the platform that connects these two parties who already exist, and actually we don't, we just enable them to connect with each other so that it is relevant for the user. What this, this is an example for what, what the founders should do, you know, look at who is already doing something in this field and who has a model that could work in this field and then try to, your, that your innovation, that your product would be the bridge between those two existing things and, and build on a collaborative model that would empower both of these parties to get more out of the collaboration than what they put in. So that it becomes a win-win-win situation, and most importantly of it all, a win for the end user. And that's kind of what the founder should do. So instead of saying, I'm going to develop this new technology or this new service, say, you know, Okay, who is out there? What are they doing? How could I connect them and use the best of those both worlds to radically change the way the end user sort of like is, is, is serviced with the connection of those two services? So that's the second thing. So the first one is scale. The second one is recognizing you know, current players and understanding the dynamics of the industries. And then third is 
perseverance, kind of guts, sisu. Uh, things take time. It, it, is, it is a totally different thing to launch a service that is a niche service in one city or in five cities than it is to create something that would be and should be used by billions of people as a part of the existing infrastructure of the society. So the bigger you want to build, you know, the more time it takes. And also time is a, with, with Funzi, we've, we've, uh, we've understood one thing that we, we can, when we promise something, you know, we can say that, you know, we, we, we will achieve this goal, we will achieve it. And we will achieve this goal because of this and because of that. And when we do this, you know, the conversion becomes like this. And then this is the outcome that we expect to get. So that we can promise. Because those, the parts of that process are something that we manage, that we control, that we have, we have power over. But when that happens, we don't know. Because we, can't, we, we don't manage other people's time. So whenever you are starting something and building something, one thing that I've learned now, should I ever need to start something new again, is promise what you will deliver, but don't promise when you will deliver because you don't know. And that's really important. That's, that's something that, and if you have people, if you have investors, if you have co-workers, and it's understandable that they will be asking when, but if they do not accept the plain truth as, you know, it's kind of, you know, I don't know, let's build towards this is what, what we will get out of it and not focus on when it will come out of it. You know, that's kind of, so that's an important thing. So give things time. Build momentum and trust that momentum. Keep on pushing things with positive energy, but don't push for this. That's kind of. Okay, we don't have video, so the video would be showing up, you know, hitting his hand in another <laughs> hand. Point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the sort of uh, tip you would give yourself, you know, say 10 years ago about to get started and, and, and thinking about this? You know, is, is that the one tip uh, that uh, you would have liked to know at the time? We actually kind of knew because we were, see, the, the founding crew of Funzi was really experienced. Mm. And I think that that's also why we dared to take on this challenge. This is not something that, you know, that, that, that is easy to take on. This is not a, a giving, you know, changing the way the world learns is kind of a big thing. It is. <laughs> I have to give you that one. Yeah, it's not a you know it's not a small thing. It's like a it's like a big thing. It's it's so big, and nobody's done it. You have to remember that you know religions have tried to do it. None of the religions have succeeded. We still have hundreds of millions of people out there who don't know how to read. Not to talk about they don't know how to feed themselves. So we have had all of the big institutions, religions, governments, and all of these big players, publishers, all of the technology companies. Everybody has been preaching, you know, let's give the world a chance to learn. And they have failed. Everyone has failed at this. And despite that, we say, we'll do it. So that's kind of, you know, it's a... I don't know what you're having for breakfast, but I think I need to have that one as well. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, you get it from the local grocery store. It's just. Excellent. <laughs> I need to visit that one. About role models, uh, you know, just thinking about, you know, where you're aiming at and, uh, and the discussion that we're just having. What pioneering company or individual has been your inspiration earlier in your career? My first boss was Mr. Pekka Salo, who was the, in, the, in the 70s, he was the best ski upcoming young ski jumper in the world, a Finn. And then in one of the jumps in Planica, he, he fell. And uh, from hips down, he was paralyzed. And 
Pekka lost everything that he had. Obviously, he had been sort of like building a sporting career and, and had a you know beautiful girlfriend and all this. You know, he, he, things were fancy back in the day, and he lost it all. Despite that, that guy started Ski Systems, a a, a company that were the first ones actually to start importing slalom skis to Finland, downhill skiing. Then he did windsurfing. Then he did skateboarding. Then he did mountain biking. He did, you know, he did those things. And and Pekka was sort of like, he hired me to work for him when I was in the, back in the school. I was talented as a, as a windsurfer. And Pekka wanted to give me an opportunity to sort of like practice and, and, and earn some money so that I could buy equipment. So I was like sponsored through work while I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, something that's totally legal nowadays. But Pekka <laughs> was a tough one. So he, he drove, he had a Pontiac Firebird Turbo. And, and, you know, he rode it alone. And when we were doing, you know, windsurfing world championships back in, you know, Lake Garda in Italy in the, in the 80s, you know, Pekka showed up. He showed up in his goddamn Firebird Turbo and he came with his wheelchair and asked us the question, you know, or he didn't ask the question. He said, you're obviously, you've run out of money. So here's money for you. And we were like a bunch of, you know, finished windsurfers back in the 80s. So Pekka taught me, he said that, you know, oh, there's a never accept destiny. Destiny doesn't exist. And he gave me, he taught me, he gave me a couple of books. One was about Jim Morrison and, and one was about Steve Jobs. And, and I never got the chance to know Jim Morrison, but, but Steve, with Steve, I, I, I wasn't friends, but I worked with him when he was, so I knew him. And that was the, kind of the role model was, you know, don't accept anything else than the best. Kind of aim for the biggest, you know, that's because somebody's going to do it. And the only question you should ask yourself is, why isn't it you? And so Pekka was kind of a guy. And the other guy was my, was my dad because he never took, you know, he, 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 he built his own life. And then the guys that I've just had the luxury of working with, you know, Mikko Roos, a Finn, now, you know, late Mikko Roos was the guy who started using SMSs as, as a commercial mechanism back in the, you know, 80s. You know, Peter Westerbacher, you know, it's the, the mighty eagle. I got to know him when, 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 when he was doing these weird things in the, at Hewlett Packard Bazaar. Kind of, the, see, the thing is, Somebody's going to do it. So be certain that, that, that no one, that you don't have to ask yourself, why, did, why wasn't it me who did it? That's so I've, never, I've, I've had the luxury, I've had, probably because I'm so weird, but I've had the luxury to actually sort of get to work and get to know, really find outstanding people. And the interesting thing is, none of these individuals was ever driven by money or power. They were all driven by the ultimate goal, and ultimate goal in, 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 in form of Pekka, you know, was, was, you know, sports, radical extreme sports to everyone. You know, with Steve, it was technology to everyone, education to everyone. With Mikko, it was better service to everyone. Kind of, you know, they were all kind of communists in their thinking, very open sourcing kind of a thing. And if it just, it just happens, it needs to be a good business to support this that you have the luxury of being that much of a communist that you want to give to everyone. And that's kind of what, what I, those are the kind of people that I appreciate. Yeah. Good people to appreciate. That's many thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we've dealt with the topic, um, saving the world and, uh, and, and perhaps making it a business from a number of perspectives. Anything to add uh, on this topic at this point before we finish? Uh, I don't know whether this is too controversial, Saku. Whether you want to have this as a, as a kind of a nice thing that people listen to. And well, we're coming to the end, so that, you know, people, nobody's listening to this end anyway. <laughs> so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of window dressing and whitewashing happen happening currently. So there's a lot of people talking about impact investment and kind of, you know, ESGs, enterprise sustainability goals and all that stuff. And, 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 you know, I just, you know, stay away from it, stay away from it. Because if you need to start using fancy words 
in and, and kind of, you know, complex, you know, structures and words that you have to look into the dictionary, you know, what, what does this mean? If, 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 you, if, if you have to do it, then somebody is selling snake oil. Life is really simple. Uh, you have to, you know, there's a couple of, you know, and these are the things that I do when, 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 I, when, I, when, when I finish my, my kind of talks to, to young students or startups. I always say that there's three things that, are, you know, are relevant. One is you are always responsible for everything that happens in your life. You. No one else. You. Second thing is fear doesn't exist. You create all fear. Fear doesn't exist. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry who is in charge because it's always you. You don't have to be afraid because fear doesn't exist. You create it yourself. And third, the only time ever for you to have an impact on anything is always now. You can't change what you did yesterday and you, can, you don't know whether you can do anything tomorrow. Now is the only time that you're relevant for the multiverse. And then... So, like, once you have this in your, and so, like, you understand that it's me, don't have to be afraid. The worst thing I can do is, is fail, and that is I can learn more and become better. And, you know, the time to act is always now. Then you got to think about what is the thing that you want to create that is the better thing. Don't focus on making better things better, but focus on making better things. And then doing two things. While doing anything... Always be prepared to say, why is it you're doing it? And know why is it that you're doing it? If you don't know why you're doing it, stop. And what you're doing, always, you know, look at it. Is this the right thing to do? And am I doing it as well as I can do it? If not, stop. And go find someone who has a bigger, better mission and who needs your help. That is probably the biggest learning that I have had. And I keep on saying, it's been my mantra since 2010. If I find someone who is better than me at doing what I'm doing, I will go and join them the moment I can. Because changing the world with such a small team is such a hugely challenging and demanding and horrible task that I'd rather do it together with someone. Because it's not about me, it is about them and giving them a better life. I'm just a tool. So that's kind of, you know, summarizing my philosophy in a couple of sentences. Well summed up. I signed for it. Abe, many, many thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts. Uh, I've loved it every second of it. Many thanks. Thank you, Saku. It was a great pleasure. And uh, I hope that someone listens to this. It was almost an hour, 55 minutes or whatever, 53 minutes. They will. I'm definitely sure. Have a great day. Thank Many you. Thanks. Same to you, Sakwa, and to everyone else. It was a pleasure. Bye. Bye-bye.